Hey everyone, my name is Yaru, and you're listening to the Dating Rules podcast. Really happy to have you. I'm bringing a really beautiful interview episode with Cherie McGuay today. We talked about Cherie's experience of the pandemic, about while swimming and reclaiming a place in nature as a black woman, about the magic of her multimedia memoir, and about tending to grief through ritual and a connection to nature. Shiri and I have been in a writing group together, as you'll hear me talk about, and I just really, really love her creative spirit and her presence in my life in general. It's given me so much inspiration already, and so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. I just want to share a few tiny updates from me. Thank you so much to everyone who bought and shared and reviewed my book. I'm really so happy it's finally out there. It's called Rituals simple and radical practices for enchantment in times of crisis and i'll link to it in the show notes and the last episodes i i wrote the uh, i read the introduction to you so if you're interested you can listen to that um and yeah reviews really help a ton so on my website i'm listing a bunch of places where you can audit online and still support small local bookshops which is super important to me and yeah you can also at the same time while doing that leave a review on any other platform and that really helps so thank you so much um also if you get the book in paper form i would love to see a picture and feel free to tag me i am taking next week off i'm really excited i'm just tying a few loose ends today um i'm not gonna go anywhere i'm just gonna be swimming in the sea and hiking a ton and i'm gonna do some tidying i feel like doing a deep clean in my house processing some stuff decluttering while listening to podcasts having naps that kind of stuff really really excited and really need that and so afterwards in september i'll be back with more episodes for you again thank you so much for listening i'm sending so much love your way <laughs> hey everyone welcome to an interview with the wonderful shiri matthews i'm super happy to speak to her and i want to tell you how we met so as you know, I've written a book about rituals and Cherie and I have been in a support group called Writer Studio, which was run by my friend Sophie Dale, who's also awesome. And I, I really feel so clearly that Cherie has supported my book in ways that I wasn't understanding at the time. Like her feedback and her comments were so heartwarming and uplifting we were mainly communicating on voxer and as you will hear in a moment she has this beautiful voice and just receiving her voice messages really made the process of writing this book so much easier i felt really seen and supported and i was really excited to learn more about her work she's running a podcast called <laughs> wait 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 fc love which is about women of color in nature and so there's yeah, Shuri is also a wild swimmer like me and a writer and a poet. And so we have this really cool interest of um, overlap and interest. And there's just so much that I'm excited to talk about. That was my little fangirl waffle, Shuri. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you and really grateful that I get to ask you some questions. Oh, gosh, that's a lovely <laughs> intro. But thank you for the invitation, Yaro. I am pleased to be here. I am ex I'm really excited about talking. 
Great. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. So the first question, I mean, really any of these questions, you can take in any direction that you like, but since we're recording on the 24th of July, 2020, I would love to hear what you're grieving at the moment and what the pandemic has been like for you so far. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Where to start? <laughs> well, I think the pandemic started for me and my family before anyone else because I had friends around the world and they were saying things about the virus and for the um, a moment there I was thinking oh well you know it's not on our shores we're okay I'm sending my support and help to them and then you know the beginning of March things it seemed to make a turn take a turn and I was getting more and more fearful for my own body and my family and and it got to the point that I self-isolated maybe a couple of weeks before the official government and that was because I I didn't feel safe and it was it was silly me self-isolating and the rest of the family were going out so I was sort of like bringing in bringing in my body's clothes as a way to protect and control because I have issues with control so I wanted to control and I think that's the thing that's hit me the most with the pandemic is like realizing I've got no control (laughs) all those constructs that I might have had in place you know my role outside there project coordinating getting out into nature meeting friends and this this is my normal life and that just went um and the thing is is that I felt that I'd spent years in the process of making it up to this point and for it to all go like that and even if I made that choice and then officially it was taken away. It was a case of like, oh, no, I was, I was in a very dark place. I will, I will admit I was in a very dark place because everything that I knew or thought I knew was just gone. And I didn't know how to operate in the new normal, even though it didn't feel normal. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was a lot of grief a lot of grief for the the life that had gone and the life that is what to come so how i how how i worked it was to just stay stay in the stay in the day stay in my present moment as much as i could and my creativity helped in that but yeah it's been it's been a roller coaster because as we just said at the beginning of the conversation i'm now in a really good place that i'm thinking yeah let's stay virtual i like virtual Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to control. I can control what I'm doing mm-hmm. when I'm virtual, you know, when I want to get out of conversation with anyone, when I don't want to see anyone. I mean, like the Zoom thing, eh? mm-hmm. you can decide if you want to be seen or not. <laughs> and I was in this meeting, this work- workshop, and they were saying, oh, hello, Sheree, is that you? Are you in? Put on your mic and put on your video. We need to see you. And I just went, um, <laughs> and I didn't put on my video. I just said, hey, bad connection you'll not see my face (laughs) (laughs) great 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 Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's answered your question (laughs) I think it totally has yes and I resonate with a lot of that I also started isolating earlier because I my mom is chronically ill in Germany and I had home of house at the end of February so I had to pass through three airports on my way back mm-hmm. and then I got sick when I landed here and late February really it was not so much on my radar I also thought it was this virus out there far away from us and then I got sick and I was like oh shit yeah. um, and so I also started isolating I think 
two or three weeks before official lockdown in the UK. Um, And that felt like the right thing to do. But I love that you named that it was a really dark time because it really was. And I think not many of us were really able to articulate that at the time. I felt like Mm -hmm. there was so much of a rush of Zoom meetings and workshops and things. And in a way, like it makes sense that that was our response. That was definitely my response Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But I think it was so disorientating that I couldn't even have said at the time, this is what's happening in my body. Mm -hmm. I'm grieving. This is so hard. I'm disappointed about what I've lost. I feel... I feel not nourished enough by Zoom things because I'm mm. so anxious and mm. and out of it all the time. Mm. So, oh, yeah, thank you for saying I, that. I know that food and drink for me got a hammer in, got oh, yeah. a hammer in real good. I would send my hubby out to the corner shop <laughs> and like bring back the donuts, the crusty bread, <laughs> the crisps, and the wine. Um, and I know that was a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. I can see that now as a coping mechanism. I have got it under control a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm still trying to treat myself with grace. Mm. So. Yeah, good. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> so you, I know your words from us, we mentioned, and I feel that the act of going out into nature and connecting with the body of water in this really deep way is is a way of making space for grief as well isn't it mm-hmm. I wonder what your experience of your local landscape is like and what it feels like for you to swim um at this time oh now you've opened a, <laughs> a little treasure box for me um and I knew it was important to me have a relationship with water with the sea but it hasn't really hit home until now, this pandemic time. And, and especially with um, the Black Lives Matter uprisings, um, it has been a healing, a healing process. It's been my medicine and I know when I'm not taking my medicine. So just, just Sunday morning, um, again, I'm having sleepless nights and I think I must be on the change here. My body is maturing into a wise woman and I accept it. Um, but yeah, so it was another sleepless night and I thought, hey, I'm going out to meet the sun and I'm going to meet the sun on the sea. Um, so I was out the door half three, um, chilly. Oh my gosh, it was so chilly. And sun hadn't risen, but I got into the sea. And while in the sea, the sun is rising and you see the pinks, the reds, the oranges, the golden light on the sea, which was once, it was black. It was like this metal liquid um, black color. And then when you see the light hits it, it's like, oh, I just gasp. I do. I gasp in all the glory of it. And I just see it as a blessing as a blessing to be here doing this now. And that's what it is. I'm brought right back into my body. Oh my gosh, it was so cold. I had I had this iceberg in my core for the rest of the day. I couldn't get warm. But it, but in a sense, it was like in a reminder of like, well, you know where it's from, Shari, don't you? You've been in the sea today, haven't you? <laughs> and, it like, and it was like, oh yeah. And I'll cuddle myself a little bit more. And it is my self-care and my self-love to have that connection, that nature connection. And it is at my fingertips. And I could say, and I do know, and I do recognize that I'm privileged in the way 
to be able to live here, to be able to get into my car, to get to the sea, to be able to get into the sea wearing a costume and then come out and get my dry robe on. I know these are all privileges and I acknowledge them. And that's why I do the work that I do to get more bodies like me out there. Because once you realize that this is, it's a human right to have this connection and it is just there, it, it changes your world. This, it, it sort of like encapsulates your world in, in these protective hands that are there to hold you no matter what shit you're going through and that's how I felt when I was at the sea with the sun coming up and I was in that body of water it was one body of water holding another body of water <laughs> and and it was magical and it was and it was it was now and everything else which is just float away and let go but of course I didn't just go and take I did I did say thank you that was a lot of the time I'm like oh thank you thank you for this and I'm not going to get into that it's like who am I saying thank you to I'm saying I'm saying thank you to mother earth right (laughs) that's who I'm saying thank you to and that's enough yeah that's enough yeah beautiful thank you and yeah I totally agree it changes your life and it gives you this container and this space to turn to and it's so nourishing and it should be available to everyone which is why I love your project and your work so much do you want to tell us a little bit more about why and how you started this podcast and what kind of conversations you have okay thank you um wow where to start so I'm a writer and an artist and for many years I was wanting to marry my blackness with nature and I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it when I was physically out there in the landscape. I couldn't see anyone that looked like me. And when I was writing, I couldn't see anyone else that was writing like me about blackness and nature. Um, So I would do these, I don't know, experiments or workshops to get more bodies like me into, into nature. And it, it showed to me that there was a demand, there was a need and that it was just a case of so many barriers in place of us not doing it. So, you know, there's the financial one, having the money to get on a bus or have a car to get there, information, where'd you go, reception, um, so many barriers. Um, and as I say, I was, I, I am, I'm not your usual run of the mill black woman. Um, because I have been brought up in a white society. So I've got ways and means to fit in or be accepted within a white society, dampen my light, not to be too much. So I, I, I know the rules and I know how to play the game. So um, that's coming useful for me to plonking myself into areas where you might not find black pe- people or black faces. And that happens to be in the countryside out there. And that also happens to be in like um, organizations where you can apply for money. Yeah. Um, I've come adept. <laughs> Is that the right word? Adept at applying <laughs> for money or knowing what pots to go for, especially if they might have that title on of black or Asian or um, ethnicities um, that these organizations need to diversify and make things a bit more inclusive and equitable so that's where I slip in and I help them do that so funding from 
um, National Lottery Heritage Fund. I've got to get that right because they've switched it round. They've changed it. But a, a, approaching them and saying, hey, we've been trying to do this, this group that I've been working with, Identity on Time, we've been trying to get more people out into our natural heritage on our doorsteps. Can you help us do this? Um, so we had to do this long drawn out application, but we got the funding and the funding is there to get rid of those barriers, those finances. We, we hire a coach, a, a coach of us, <laughs> it's like a coach load of black, Asian and ethnic people go out into Northumberland and just walk the landscape. We go out sometimes with boogies and little kids and we're just like, we could, we are stepping in the foot of our ancestors if we think about it, if we're on the Hadrian's Wall where we've had Somalians and we've had Belgian and we have, you know, Arabs. We've had so many different ethnicities on in this area, but it's not there, it's hidden. So we've been walking the landscape looking for our ancestors and also just connecting with each other in the day to day. But doing it in a group has meant us, we felt safe. Um, we don't, it takes away that fear factor of where we're going and who's going to be there and how we're going to be received. Doing it in a group creates a connection, a connection with the landscape, with each other and with ourselves. Um, so that's what we've been doing. But then part of that has also been training um, black women to become leaders themselves because we've had to depend on um, the usual leaders, expedition leaders, rangers, um, who are usually male and white. So we've had to depend on them to take us out. But now we've trained up a bunch of women who can lead our groups themselves out there and also camp overnight. And also if anything bad happens, you know, we're first aid trained. We've got all the, the certificates, yeah. And I find that we need to do that. You know, I might have been doing it ad hoc before, but to be recognized by other people, you need these qualifications. You need to prove that you are an expert in this field by doing this training. When really we're all experts of having a relationship with nature. We just need to tap into it and giving those opportunities to do so. But yeah, because that's the other thing. Sorry, I'm going off topic, but that's the other thing, the idea that some people have demand or ownership over this part of the land and what they're going to do with this land and who has access to this land and I think that is so so wrong mm -hmm. um that that isn't the case and that has wasn't how this is, that isn't how mother nature operates yeah this tree it doesn't say you can just grow to this boundary or this fence. You can go wherever you want. <laughs> you know, we're all free to do that as long as we're respectful for each other. And we know this tree gets on with that tree because they communicate, don't they? You're all right, son. I've got some <laughs> extra vitamin C. Do you want some? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But I could chat for all ever. But you asked about the podcast, didn't you? Sorry, mm -hmm. I didn't mention that bit. <laughs> So the Earthsea Love podcast has just come out, just went live last week, 13th of July. Um, and that came about because it was written into the budget that we would collect our participants' voices while they're out in nature um, and start changing the narrative that way. But because of the lockdown, we stopped. We stopped in May, March when we we're just going to kick off our spring and summer stuff. 
um, and that's because of safety. We couldn't guarantee people's safety. Um, but we wanted to stay connected still with each other, with nature and with ourselves. And that's when we have sort of like pivoted <laughs> the podcast a little bit to include more voices, expanded those voices to not just the participants in the program, but then also people that we've been in contact with, um, international, and I say people, but these are all women of colour. These are all the voices of women of colour. And I'm using that so we can get include, you know, brown, um, black and Asian. And so it's trying to be that inclusive way in, in the different ethnicities. Because, you know, that's another discussion we could have about the different terms that we use. Okay. But we'll not go there. So, yeah, we're sharing our stories about that nature connection from childhood, now and in the future. And it's been so good. Mm-hmm. So good for my soul to mm-hmm. be doing this. It has, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy you're doing this. Thank you for sharing. So you touched a bit on the beauty of your local landscape, and I would love to know more about that, where you live and what nature is like and kind of how you read the sea and when you know when to swim and when not to. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> because um, let's, I mean, I think I've been doing this for five years, wild swimming. Um, and I took it up because I wanted to do the Great North Swim that was in Windermere. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I, was, I would always go into the sea, but just my feet, you know, paddling. Um, and, and that would be a case of like, whenever I see the sea, I need to be closer, touch the sea. Um, and I think that's from a kid whenever we got that coach load of people from my village to the sea. Um, so I, I moved to this area, um, me and my family moved to this area after um, a traumatic experience of a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, um, we had one child um, and I fell pregnant, um, like big surprise, um, but that didn't you know, she didn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need, we needed a change of scene. And it was a case of like the time between first child nearly going to high school. And it was a case of um, we make the break now before high school. We don't, or we don't do it. So we, we, make, we downscaled and we moved to the sea and we moved to a flat that you could actually see the sea. Um, and I know that was the best thing for me to do at the time for me to heal my body to heal, my mind to heal. Um, But again, I still didn't go in my whole body. And there was a fear. There was a fear because this is a white area and I've not only seen my own black body on the beach. Okay, my son. (laughs) Oh, he's got a black body too. (laughs) But he was at that age now. I'm not going to to the sea, you know. (laughs) Um, So there was a fear about getting into the sea um because it's you're totally exposed you are exposed but then it was a case of i knew how i felt when i got in the scene and i felt like a kid again i felt giddy and it was bitter cold and it got to the point that i would squeal with it (laughs) as well and not bother that I probably made drawing more attention to myself because it was more <laughs> it was more important to have to express myself 
Um, um, so yeah, um, so that that's how it developed. Um, and I did for a time join a, a swimming club, the Panama Swimming Club, which is along the bay. Because we have, so I'm telling you this. So it was we moved to Tyne Mouth, which is at the mouth of the River Tyne, um, and this has a long sands. Um, a long, long beach, and that rolls onto Cullercoats Bay, and then that goes onto Whitley Bay. So the club was in Whitley Bay, um, and you know I learned a lot from going into the sea with these women and some men. But it had to be at a set time, um, set days, um, only in for a certain amount of time, and. It, it was good to do it for, you know, going with the group. Yeah, 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 with the group. Um, but I'm not very good on doing the rules. Mm. Um, following rules. Because then that's, in a sense, it takes away from the spontaneity of it, on the enjoyment. Um, so, yeah. So I started to do it independently anyhow. And that's all, all year round. Um, but it would, it would have to be um, before school for a certain time it was. So that would be sometimes in the dark. Um, or then before lockdown came, it was just after the school drop-off because we did have another child who's now 10. So it would drop her off and it would be like 10 to nine and then I'd get in and it would be quiet then. And I'd take the sea, whatever it would be, in or out, in or out. But my favorite time is when the sea, the tide is in. Um, probably because I don't have far to go, maybe not. But I just feel like it's so full and so plentiful then, and I just love it then. Cause so, you know, my favourite is Colour Coats Bay. We have a, um, a national lifeguard um, post there. Um, is it lifeguard or life rescue? You know, the ones that go out mm -hmm. in the boat, they can launch yeah. from there. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lovely bay there, and they actually have a number of swimming clubs and that go from there. One's called Cows, Colour Coats Outdoor Women Swimming, Cows. And they've asked me, do I want to be a cow? And I said, no, you're all right. Because <laughs> again, that would be others telling me, got to go in at this time or we're meeting at this time. Da, 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 da. So now I do go in um, and I do consult the tides sometime as well. Get that up. Um, and that's why it was so of a good time on Sunday because I knew the tide was in um, just just when the sun was rising. I thought, wow, how many times do you get that just like that? Probably every two weeks. <laughs> but um, I thought, no, this is a prime time. And it was it was the actual anniversary of my mum's death for mm -hmm. 21 years. Um, so uh, that was a good time to get in as well you know sort of like it wasn't so much as a ritual but there was something in my back of my mind saying okay today's the day or mm -hmm. maybe you should go today or you know it's, mm -hmm. it's funny how our body remembers mm -hmm. these things yeah mm -hmm. so yeah so I think I live about five minutes in the car 15 mm -hmm. minutes on my legs if I'm moving fast to the <laughs> sea yeah yeah that's great. Yeah. So happy to hear that you have that. And 
feels similar about the tides and the richness of when it's so full and overflowing and you're like, oh, getting in there, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I also can sense so beautifully that your your practice in the landscape is informing your creativity in your writing. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Maybe especially with poetry, that's something I would really love to get back into. And I feel like mm. I, I almost have this romantic idea of kind of like being whispered a poem by the waves and coming home and writing it down. Do you know the magic tr trick of how this works? Please tell me. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, just on that, that, that last bit there, um, the bit coming home, mm -hmm. don't come home, stay with the sea and do mm -hmm. the writing there. Because <laughs> that's what I was getting into, a habit during the pandemic was to go to the sea. I got this special black bucket so I could pop it down near on the sand if the tide's out I could go right up to where the tide shoreline is plonk my stuff there strip off go in and then come back out and get ready there but I got in the habit of doing that into the sea getting on my dry robe and drying and having a flask of coffee and my journal with me there so still sitting in the vicinity of the sea and I say sitting um okay the most of the time I go there nobody was there so but I wouldn't sit on the benches um I'd sit on the rocks or the sand because somehow they're cleaner than the bench at this time <laughs> but I would be still sitting in the vicinity and while my body was still open after it'd been open from being in the sea then I'd and tap into my other senses and just record them. Just get some notes down, you know, those squawking seagulls, that butter, butter honeycombed rock, you know, that sort of thing. And I just pluck them out and just put them in, in my journal. And then once I'd got home and I thought, oh, should I start trying to manage these or put them into some kind of hole? Or just leave them. And then when I had an idea for a poem, I was like, oh, look, I, I could go back to those notes and find them. Um, so that's, that's what the immediacy does help. And as I said prior, um, I was having this experience with nature, but I couldn't find me in literature, black body with nature. And, um, and I thought, well, I can't write nature because like, Wordsworth, he's the guy, isn't he? Him and his romantic poems. <laughs> I mean, that was the standard to go to. I thought, well, I could never get there, so why bother? Um, and I did do a lot of searching. I must say, physically searching, I went over to Washington State on a residency there about the relationship with the land. Um, and I found the, the Black Nature book by um, Camille Dungy, um, which was the... Um, Afro-American context with nature, but I was having trouble finding the UK one. Um, and I, I was striving, I was really working hard to try and marry my blackness with nature. And what do I mean by that? I mean like to talk about um, my experiences, but then have it illustrated or mirrored with some language of the landscape. You know, the green hills, um, writing about a blue-green mountain or being in a lochen. Um, and I felt that I was forcing it together. And I think, and I can say that now, I think it was because I was still finding my way in my relationship with nature. So I was struggling or 
are trying to lean too hard into a quality or a confidence that wasn't there yet. Because now I can say now, I just do it, I write, and it's informed by nature because that's part of me now. It's not anything that can be separate, my blackness and my nature-loving self. It's like it's all together, mashed together. So, and the, and the other thing is that I don't really have to be talking about race all the time either. I don't have to keep talking about blackness. I can write about anything, grief, dogs, you know. <laughs> But there is that expectation of being a writer who happens to be black that I would write about black stuff. And sometimes, yeah, I'll lean into it, but sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I just want to talk about that, that flower there that looks like a triffid and that freaks me out when I see it. <laughs> but there's an uncanny beauty about it. I just want to write about that. Yes, that makes sense. I think the way you think and speak about creativity is so permission giving and so wide. And I'm really excited for the memoir that you're writing. And when I first heard you write about it, or you, you mentioned it's a mixed media memoir. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that is so cool. And I really want more people to know about that. Because I think for me, for a long time, it was the case that I thought, oh, writing a memoir in just one form of writing, that's a huge commitment. And I don't know if I can stick to that, if I have enough to say, if it all will flow. And so when I heard a mixed media memoir, I was like, oh, tell me more, please. Yeah. Um, and it was Sophie that helped me with the mixed media title in that sense, because I was, I was describing it as a creative nonfiction piece that was filled with essays, poetry, <laughs> photography, image. And, you know, it was a long, drawn-out thing. And she goes, oh, so you mean mixed media? I went, ah! Um, yeah. <laughs> so I've taken that on and I'm running with it. But, yeah, and I think it's because I know. I am. I'm a creatrix, yeah. I make, I create. And that crosses the usual boundaries, I allow whatever wants to come up and be expressed in whatever way it wants. Yeah, it could be how I'm arranging the strawberries and blueberries on the top of my porridge. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it might want to be expressing itself. And that's cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from it's all about me expressing me to me first and foremost mm -hmm. so if that comes out in a poem it comes out in a poem. if it comes out in a short story it comes. but for me it's just writing or it's just being creative or it's mm -hmm. just playing with my art supplies and it's when it goes out in the outside world that it wants to be labeled and put in a specific box you know like mm -hmm. some people say what do you do and okay so I say I'm a writer and artist but then there's times when I say I'm just a creatrix and you see a blank expression and I'm waiting for them to ask. Some people ask, some people don't. Um, but yeah, so this mixed media, <laughs> mixed, mixed media, mixed, mixed genre um, is, as I said, it's essays, it's poetry, it's my photography, it's my visual journal, journaling um, spreads. Um, and I'm doing that because it's to express the last five years of my life. And it hasn't actually been linear or neat. 
there's been spiraling and circling and so much learning and there's a transformation and I don't feel that it could be contained in just your linear normal memoir mm -hmm. I just don't I, I I just can't it doesn't feel that way to me mm -hmm. and suppose that's how it is coming out it's coming out through those it's coming out through my body because mm -hmm. it is I say it, it's about um, a black woman's body with slash in nature. Mm -hmm. So that could be with nature, in nature, within nature. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's, that's the premise. That's the central thing that will, will appear in, in all the essays or the poems. But there's some shifting, there's some movement, there's some repetition, there's some remembering. Um, and, but that's the one constant thing. Um, and I hope that people can access it at any level that they're at, wherever they are now, mm -hmm. and get something from it. Some people might just want to look at the pictures. Mm -hmm. And I've got some beautiful landscape pictures in there of Iceland. Oh, my other love. <laughs> um, um, and then somebody might be interested in the visual journal and really go in close and see if they can read my writing there. Um, well, some might be just one into their essays. And I know it's, I know it might not appeal to everyone because pe some people like neat boxes mm -hmm. and i understand that because there's a safety in the neat boxes but um you we only live once man let's just <laughs> take some risks yeah <laughs> and that scares me but it's uh, it also like yeah let's do it mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes. i am so excited to read more about that and just so grateful that i had the honor of being in this writing group with you <laughs> and yeah to know your work is there anything else that you would like to share that maybe i haven't asked about yet uh, that's a good question um well, I'm glad that you haven't asked about the future. What does the future <laughs> hold for you, Shirley? I have given up on that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, this is a really difficult time in so many different ways. Okay, we've talked about um, coronavirus, and I've mentioned the Black Lives Matter uprising, um, challenging um, systemic racism and really I think we need a revolution I do think mm -hmm. we need a revolution but um, and this has been and this is you know I, I'm I'm with people I'm out there I'm not you know I'm not marching I'm doing it with my pen or my voice is my weapon in that sense um, and it's uncertain times Mm -hmm. and if someone had said to me this is what's going to be happening in 2020 I would have tried to run for the hills mm -hmm. because of not having that control mm -hmm. and not knowing what my next step is. I mean, I've mentioned my visual journaling and that's where I do all my dreaming. That's mm -hmm. where all my plans go down and then the steps to get there. And it happens. I bring these things to fruition through my visual journaling. It's the case. It's a safe space. Um, and yeah, I had plans for 2020. Um, but they've all gone. Um, and my visual journaling isn't, isn't so much where I'm dreaming now. It's more a case where I'm being now. And I'm capturing the day-to-day -day what's happening. And that's, that's cool. It's a case of my whole world is it being in the present now. Because that's where I am happy. And it's all that I've got. 
Mm. Yeah. It, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know if we're going to hit a second wave. We don't know if, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to do predictions there because <laughs> you know, I could go all dark and twisted. But, um, and in the past that would have scared me. Mm. I would have been, felt that I was standing on shaky ground and no foundation. Mm-hmm. And I'm there now and I'm not. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not panicking. I'm not running for the hills. I'm just being here now. And that mm-hmm. feels such a transformation for me. Mm-hmm. And a gift. And a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm glad you didn't ask me about what's happening in the future. Because I cannot foretell <laughs> what's happening in the future. Um, but I'm enjoying now. I, I mean, like, it's hashtag radical joy hashtag <laughs> radical joy because it seems so radical to be joyful now mm-hmm. and i'm not doing it in a disrespectful way i know people have been have died mm-hmm. i know people are suffering i know people are still going through difficult times and i acknowledge that and i support as i can but it shouldn't be a case that we should feel guilty for leaning in to those drops of joy that is some deep shit I'm so happy (laughs) that you shared it and I'm so glad that you that I didn't ask you about the future is I feel exactly the same but it's also just touching on the future and the here-ness and the now-ness was exactly what I needed today and I'm so excited to share this conversation with everyone because I think it's so important yeah it's such an important reminder so thank you for giving that to us thank you so. for, for allowing me to come on and share in yeah really thank you so before we go can you tell us where people can find you and how they can work with you at the moment if- <sighs> okay so <laughs> so you introduced me as sheree matthews but i actually have two names Ooh. sheree mac m-a-c-k that's mm-hmm. the writer in me and you can find me on Instagram at Sheree Mac Writes. Yeah. And then we have Sheree Angela Matthews, who's the artist. And you can find her uh, on the website, livingwildstudios.com or on Instagram at livingwildstudios. And then the new baby on the block is <laughs> the Earth Sea Love Podcast. And you can, oh, did you see there? I thought I went into that sort of like, podcast voice (laughs) and you can find more about that at the earth sea love website which is earthseelove.com and on instagram at earth sea love and twitter earth sea love one (laughs) (laughs) and we'll link to all of that in the show notes as well in case someone didn't catch that thank you so much sharita so many oh so many like access points to your magic so i'm really (laughs) excited people get to explore that again thank you so much from my heart this was such a beautiful conversation and i wish everyone could have seen your face but yeah it was great 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 talk to you (laughs) thank Thank you thank you you.